Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands. Today we are recording at the McClintock Back Bar and Lauren Paler O'Brien which if you've watched Drink Masters on Netflix, and if you haven't, you absolutely should. It was my wife and I thoroughly enjoyed watching. Uh, You will know her as LP. Uh, Thanks for joining me, LP. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you because I enjoyed that show way more than I thought I would. Amazing. No, that's great, right? Yeah. That's exactly what we wanted. Because a lot of those reality competition shows, like they're just, I don't know, they're they are what they are yeah um but netflix kept showing it to us and we're like oh let's watch that yeah and then i think we watched like four episodes that night and didn't go to bed (laughs) and of course we started rooting for you right away because you were from dc we wanted the hometown gal to win so absolutely congratulations thank you i appreciate that so well, let's start with how did you um, get into bartending? Yeah, for sure. So that's a long-winded story. <laughs> um, so I actually moved from the Bronx to D.C. to um, attend nursing school. And, you know, that quickly ended to pursue a career in bartending, naturally. Uh, so I, I think that's the, that's the typical route, right? I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically what happened was I would frequent a bar called The Passenger. And my best friend worked there as a server at the time. Um, I grew up with a family of seven siblings and I was very accustomed to noisy, chaotic environments, AKA bars, right? (laughs) So I would find myself going there to do homework. Um, and I wasn't ordering anything. I don't even think I was 21 at the time. So I'd order like a chicken sandwich and a, you know, a Coca-Cola to get me through the night. But can you imagine going to a bar, ordering nothing and people still being nice to you? Yeah, I, I could... There are very few places I could think of where that would happen. Exactly. (laughs) And so very naturally, I was like, wow, everyone's so kind, so nice, so hospitable. And I started paying a little bit more attention to what they were doing. Right. Because I'm I'm in a bar. (laughs) Um, But I was so in in, in like enchanced by what they were doing. It was such a symphony. The way they moved behind the bar, you know, their presence, their knowledge, uh, really like embracing um, themselves very authentically and what they loved respectively about the craft. And I went up to the owner one day. I was like, Hey, can I, can I have a job? Like, I want to do this. This looks amazing. Right. Um, watching a true mixologist is entertaining. It is. It is. And putting on the show uh and watching all the, the techniques uh, that you wouldn't think matter, but actually do. And the thing that I think for me, the biggest part about being a part of this series was that we could, all really showcase what we do respectively because the traditional term of bartender has changed so much. Um, I, I'm not, I don't tend bar anymore. You know, I have an event production company. I have a consulting business and I do dinner series and pop pop-ups, but um, Natalie, you know, is a home bartender. And I think having people like her and me and, you know, um, and then your traditional defined bartender uh, who is behind the bar every day was really cool. Cause we, it, we predicted that she would get voted off first. I was so sad about that. I, you know, she represented, she yeah. was, she, she was, was completely set up to fail though. She there's, was, she I don't was. think there's any way she could I have think, competed with I people think, who m- have made yeah. their living creating and crafting cocktails yeah. as opposed to just making stuff that like 
stuff she's finding for in sure. for social media. The thing that's cool about Natalie, and I, I, I kept, I keep saying this, is like that's her career. Like she's an entrepreneur, she's a businesswoman, yeah. and I think uh, for, for what I hope to see is more representation in that realm. Um, more home bartenders, more you know Instagram bartenders, more people who started pretty untraditionally. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, we all have a common thread, which is our love for um, education, our love for you know showing a consumer something they may not typically be introduced to in the world of drinks. And um, yeah, I was really sad that she got eliminated first. Somebody well, had I'm, to, but you know. Yeah, I my wife and I both thought like it just it kind of wasn't fair. Yeah, like, it wasn't. Uh, I wish there were more yeah, home bartenders. Were, like then it, it would have made it much, like it was split. I like, mean, somebody has to go first. And I think the thing that would have been cool at least is that one or two of them would have had the opportunity to kind of gain some experience and yeah. learning and then showcase that, right? That's the saddest part. Yeah, because personality-wise, she seemed awesome. Oh, she's but amazing. She oh, didn't I, seem to have, like there's no way she was going to have the tool kit to be able to compete with the rest yeah, of you. Yeah, but the best part about uh, an ep- uh, season one is that there hopefully is a season two and that we see uh, we see some people show up, you know? Yeah. So it would be really cool. And Because yeah. it did really well, right? Like, um, it did well in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, ha- I know nothing about what's going to happen moving yeah. forward. and But I think that the coolest part about this, it's the very beginning. It's a pivotal moment. It's the beginning of what's hopefully uh, the start of many more shows showcasing beverages behind the scenes in a very um, different light than what we typically see. When you're at the bar, you get the end results. You don't have an opportunity to be along um, in the process, right? So, um, yeah, this is a really cool opportunity. Yeah, it was cool listening to, like, the the thought process of why these different things were combined. Because there's so many times where I will read or see a ingredient list and think like that sounds repulsive and then you try it and the flavors just work so well together yeah and you know that is a it's interesting so a lot of the work that i do now really focuses on first of all i hate being in the limelight if that isn't obvious (laughs) i hate it um i hate it because for me um what my focus is is paying it forward i've always said this i think it's really important that like for people who are up and coming and even my peers, I don't want to look down at them. I want them up here with me. And if I can continue to create programs that very effortlessly allow others to be successful or to gain a bit of knowledge, I'm going to do that. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's interesting because we, we're, we're in this moment where everyone has an opportunity to share their story. And it's, it's like, do you know what your story is? Right. Yeah, and a lot of people don't a lot of or people don't, don't know how to uh, articulate it. Yeah, and so uh, my hope is that there's a lesson to everything we do, right? Even competitions that aren't on TV. And um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was focusing on that innovation, but also storytelling and in, a, in an authentic way where we really can uh, invite someone in on an experience um, that they typically otherwise wouldn't get to be a part of. And I think that's one of one of the stickiest ways to get people devoted to something too. Is like if it if there's no backstory, no story there, or experiential, those mm-hmm. are the things that people are drawn to. Yeah, absolutely. So you when you started that that first bar, were you 
did you start out as a server or did they hire you as a bartender? It's actually or? funny because I definitely started out as a server. And I feel like every time I reflect on this, it happens so quickly that it's like, I don't really remember the, the order of sequence, but I do know that I was a period of time I was serving, a period of time I was a bar back and overlapped with like training to bartend. Mm -hmm. And then one day I went to a Guar concert with the staff and our strongest bartender broke his wrist and the manager or the owner looks at me and he goes, tomorrow you're bartending. And I was like, <laughs> what? Tomorrow's Friday. Are you crazy? I've never done this before. Um, but luckily this, this space I was working at had uh, a very strong focus on ensuring that everyone in the space knew every classic cocktail had a very good understanding of wine, spirits and beer. So you know, on paper, yeah, I was ready, yeah. but it was, it was, a it was pushing past that, you know, boundary that I kind of set up for myself and it was a great night. I had so much fun. Do you, do you put a delineation between a bartender and a mixologist? No, I, I think people can call themselves whatever they want. Okay. I mean, for, I, cause I've heard both arguments yeah, that, uh, I think for context on the show, they call this mixers. So I think the mixologist term kind of, I mean, I think you ask this question to many different people. I think it, it, you'll get a different answer for me. People can call themselves whatever they want. Yeah. I think the important thing is what they're doing, what they're putting out there, what their mission and values are, and the story behind what they're trying to portray. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm proud to call myself a beverage professional. Um, I think it's, it's certainly not appropriate for me to call myself a bartender anymore because of all the people working so hard behind the bars day in yeah. and day out. Um, I work with bartenders. Um, I do bartend, you know. But again, I think it just depends on context. I, I, that is one job I don't think I could ever do. I think you could do it. I, I don't think I could. I, I think What I about would, it sounds difficult. I don't I have a very low tolerance um for people's shenanigans. That's fair. So I don't think I would do what well, because like, even like it's often you're just out at some place yeah. and you witness constantly people just being obnoxious being silly. to yeah to well, to to, uh, to wait staff yeah. or to the bartenders themselves and I don't I don't know that I could. Um, compose myself in That's a fair. professional manner to <laughs> That's an important point to bring up. So for context, I was bartending for several years before I um made a move into being back of house uh in a role called the R&D production chef, which essentially means I really spent my time leading prep and education, working um it was a collaboration with everyone on top and then the team as well. So, but I I, I led that and I made that move because COVID was so tolling um, from a social perspective for me that it was very difficult for me to talk to guests. And it was debilitating. Like I, I actually could not engage with guests after COVID. Um, I, I just, you know, and still sometimes today get immense anxiety. And um, like from a, like a standpoint of being fear of getting sick or no. just from the lack of the, yeah. that being out of practice. I think of it's a combination. Social. I think in the beginning it was like, oh, wow, there's this thing we don't really understand. Yeah. COVID, right? Um, I think that has definitely died off. I think the the anxiety comes from interacting with people. I'm just yeah. very much an introvert, you know? 
Um, I, the other thing I wanted to say is additionally, whatever space I'm in, I am extremely protective of the staff in it. Um, I've gotten to a point where I am not afraid to vocalize when someone is wrong. Yeah. Um, but in a polite way and manner, assertive, but you know, respectful. So if that does happen and I do see it, I am very clear in that this is a space where we prioritize the safety of our staff that is unacceptable and you have to leave. See, I think I would do better in that role yes. than being and the person re- yeah, receiving it. Exactly. Like being the person like observing yeah. the bad interaction and putting an end to it than For sure. being the one receiving the Yeah. Pen. And I mean, depending on the space, they deal with it very differently. But I'm definitely that like, you hey, need to go. I'm going to intervene yeah and we're going to handle this in a way that lets you know that behavior is unacceptable (laughs) so how long into uh bartending do you decide like yeah let's forget this nursing stuff it was very quick (laughs) yeah i think i was working at the bar for like two months and then i just stopped going to class and then eventually invited my parents to the bar that i was working at and was like Hey, you should come to this really amazing restaurant. I love the food there. The drinks are great. And then my whole family came. My parents were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I work here. And that's how I told them. How how was that received? It was interesting. Have you met black parents before? (laughs) I have. I I could see it was probably originally frowned upon. It was not accepted with smiles and happiness now they're very happy i was gonna say at this point i assume they're quite proud extremely supportive i actually say on the show i'm like i knew if i was gonna do this as a career i had to make it a career and do well um and i mean that i knew if whatever i did that they'd be supportive um there were certainly apprehensions in the beginning but as soon as i knew that i took this seriously aka didn't need to ask them for money anymore yeah. i'm pretty sure they were very happy well, for me i think that that is one of those things that there's a a perception that you can't make a career as yeah. being a bartender or whereas like you can absolutely yeah. live a nice life doing that that it's it's if true. you're in the right the the right bar or restaurant, it's quite lucrative. It's also there's a whole entire sector of beverage professionals. So it's not even just bartending. I think that's the foundation. And depending on where you want to go from there, there are so many endless options. And I mean, I I honestly just decided, hey, I want I don't want to work for anyone and started my own company yeah. and have truly just leaned into what makes me happy and it's storytelling innovation working with people and giving back to the community and you know as long as i'm doing that and it's aligned with that you know those missions and those values i'm i'm good when did you start your company so lp drinks co officially started in 2016 but it okay. was because peers were like you need an llc you need you need that like and i was like cool yeah sure okay <laughs> i had no idea why Um, But what I realized is as I started figuring out the things that really aligned with me and that I liked to do, the consulting, the education, that I could truly create a business that um, incorporated all of those things. And today it is a completely different business. 
Uh, we do event production, bar consulting. There's a dinner series. There's cocktails and comedy, which is a platform that um, showcases, you know, black, brown, uh, BIPOC, female, comedic, comedic and mixology talent. And then we give back to charity. So are they comedian, like, is is that separate or the comedians are also... That would be cool. Yeah, that would actually be cool. So it, they're separate. So okay. uh, I was going to say because you're you're definitely pulling from a small <laughs> pool of people. <laughs> so it's actually uh, the host of the show, Tone Bell, and Rojo Perez, his story writer, are my partners in that. Um, and we basically came out of the show and we're like, we really want to give back to people who look like us and yeah. uh, provide them with a platform and a voice to showcase their skill set. So the way that I've actually structured that is the bartenders are hosts. You know, they come in, they they bartend and showcase for like an hour, but they're really hosting that. I mean, because they kind of just nat like yeah, kind of naturally are in their day to day job. And in normal um, pop ups, the way they're structured is that they don't get that opportunity to really engage with guests. But what yeah. I realized from Drink Masters is that. I want more of that. I want that opportunity to showcase our stories and um, our inspiration and just to be human, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that that is something that continues to, to you know, happen. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So had, have you always been interested in like maybe it was started in cooking or something, but like with uh, developing flavors and mixing things or was that an evolution of once you started bartending? It's interesting because I, I think that it, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing my head because I was like, well, we all eat and drink, right? So yeah. I think I, I love food. I, I was the first thing that comes to mind is a New York slice from the Bronx like that's 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 my go-to and you know take something like a slice of pizza it's so complex and flavorful right you can mess up the dough and the way it's made there's science incorporated in that you can mess up the sauce and the flavors and that's mess up the sauce a lot that's balance right (laughs) and it's also knowing how much sauce to put on the pizza and then the right cheese and the temperature to cook it so I think I've always been interested in like baking and there's a lot of science that goes into that see I Definitely prefer baking yes, over cooking. I do too. Because baking's like if you follow an instruction, yes. it's going to come out yes. one hundred percent that way. Yeah, it's and technical. Yes. Whereas I think cooking, you can kind of deviate, yeah. right? I think initially for me, it's with bartending. Even it's like 
cool. Give me the technical. This is a classic cocktail recipe. Yeah. And then once you're really into it, you learn the story, the history, then you can deviate. So I think that it's kind of a combination. Um, I've never officially been a chef in any capacity. I think on the show it was misconstrued a bit because people were like, oh, you were a chef. And I was like, no, 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 no. R&D production, which <laughs> really was just doing prep for the bar. Okay. And not just. It's a, it's a big role. And uh, I don't want to you know, take away from any chefs who actually like have done the work. Um, but that culinary approach and that integration of science is so important for this style of bartending we see on TV. Um, on Drinkmaster specifically. Yeah, because it just, there are, especially watching that show, there are so many crazy ingredients that everyone yes. is Techniques using. and applications and, and ingredients. It's crazy. I mean, here's the thing, reality situation for anyone listening out there. If you walk into a bar and expect to see all these techniques, it's it's <laughs> probably not a thing that you will see. You will go into spaces that do do some of this stuff. Milk punch is very common thing to get. Um, I say this to set expectations. Um, just because bartenders aren't doing this does not mean they're good. At, they're not good at their job. They are very good at their job. I wonder how much of a headache drink masters has created for bartenders. You know, because like just from that oh, specific aspect. I can understand that concern. I can't speak on that as I don't work in a bar. I will say the interactions I've had with guests. It's just excitement about the sector. Yeah. I think it was the first time people were like, oh my goodness, y'all are rock stars you know and that's really cool so i think they're just it's as excited now to go into spaces where they get food um and that excitement also carries over into the drinks that they get to enjoy uh so like that was one of the questions and my wife actually was even like you have to ask this yes because when watching with with all the crazy ingredients that that were there on hand in the kitchen were you guys giving them what you were going to make beforehand or did they ha literally just have everything under the sun in the kitchen? Yeah, that's a great question. We were pretty restricted to what the pantry had, especially in the beginning. Um, signature cocktail did require them to prep pantry with the needs of the individuals that were in that challenge. Um, and the finale, they allowed us to make some selections, but it was pretty limited. Which is great because it really challenges us to obviously be able to work on yeah. our toes and work with the ingredients that they had um, specifically in the pantry. Which was still seemed to be pretty I expansive. I was just going <laughs> to say, it, is a, it was a bartender's dream, truly. I'm it, still trying to stock my house like that. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember the specific drink anymore, but there was one where we were just like, how would they possibly just have that? <laughs> was it the hay? Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna remember. There were a lot of my, ingredients yeah, like that. Yeah, or it was just like that. Maybe that was one of them. Like, yeah. why would they have that there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. I um, yeah. It it's it. The TV side of things is so interesting and so different, right? Um, but I think they did a really great job at. Uh, What's what? Well, yesterday I interviewed someone who's been on two uh Creepy Jason. He's been oh. on two seasons of Ink Masters. Oh my god, that's right. Isn't Creepy Jason not too far from here? Yeah, we we actually recorded in a brewery in oh, Tawny Town. Nice. He's in the next like a little while over in his shops in Hyattsville. Okay. Or no, Hamden. At somewhere. It's yeah, it's, it's Hamden up in there. And he told me that reality TV isn't real. I could not believe that. <laughs> I think it's different. 
I think it just depends, yeah. right? I think it's we can say the same about social media. You well, know? I mean, that's they're definitely not display. real. <laughs> yeah, they're displaying. Here's the thing: they're just they're they're creating a storyline, so they're showcasing yeah. exactly what they want you to see and evoking emotions that exactly the way they want you to feel, right? Yeah, we were mainly just talking about how like some of the ways that Ink Master was edited gives a different narrative than yeah, how it was actually for done. Sure. It, um, it's also a lived experience. Like you're only getting 40 minutes of what was a very long day yeah. for us, you know? And But th- watching, um, that didn't seem obvious with drink masters because mm-hmm. there was, they didn't, there didn't seem to be like any kind of storylines they were trying to push. Yeah, it no, was, I think it was pretty it was more. Yeah. It was more just like, we're focused on the drinks. People, yeah, you, yeah, these are the. There's this group of people competing. They're gonna make this drink. Exactly. It's gonna be judged. And yeah. there wasn't like the, the. There wasn't much backstory, which, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that they focused on each of us respectively and what who we are, what we do, and then it was really mainly a focus on the drinks. So how um, how did you end up on the show? Yeah. So there was uh like social media um threads kind of floating around about a show about mixology and um, molecular astronomy and I kind of was like I don't have time for that I'm so focused on work um, so in the initial stages I didn't even think about applying uh, and then I got an email one day and they were like hey you've come recommended for this opportunity and I was like yeah sure I'll, I'll give it a try and there's this, a round of uh, interviews that occurs and they have you like submit cocktails and then present on camera because um, I mean, they need to see you showcase your yeah. personality, your style. Um, and then I got an email saying, Hey, you've been casted for this show. And I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> and even at that point I was, I forgot it was TV for a moment. Um, uh, I don't think it was until I sat down on my couch with my husband, October 23rd at 3am or 28th at 3am and was like, wow, this is on TV. Um, throughout the entire series, I was so focused on, it was a competition. I was focused on the challenge ahead and spent a lot of time in the library. And I, I don't think I ever really thought about the TV part. And it's probably obvious because I didn't smile once. (laughs) (laughs) You did at times seem to not be enjoying it at all. Oh, I absolutely had moments where I was not enjoying it. Just like I would be lying if I said otherwise. From the pressure and stress of it or just getting in your head that... Um, uh, I think there was interior pressure for myself and there were certainly exterior pressures coming from individuals who did not want me to be there, you know? The other people on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're the, it, it wasn't... Uh, it, it wasn't one of those shows where that was like super played up, yeah. but they're definitely, it's a competition. Be, it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And for a, what was, what was the prize for that? It was a hundred thousand. Yeah, it was a hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's a lot on the line, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, I stayed focused and I kept my head down and I did what I had to do. And I'm, I definitely was not anticipating winning. I think we all wanted to win, but the angle was never to win. It was to showcase myself to the best of my ability and to do the best that I could in every challenge. Yeah, I, you definitely had a, a, a separate advantage of that where it's great marketing for uh, an exposure for your brand yeah. and company. But I think for but, everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely would yeah. be for everyone. 
Because there was like a mixture of what people who worked at bars and yeah. several people who owned bars. Absolutely. They don't, they didn't seem to really allow anyone much self promotion. No, it, it wasn't really focused on that. But I think, um, Certainly, naturally, with everyone, we've been able to kind of engage with the people who have watched, which is really nice. Yeah, because it was, um, I don't even think, like, anyone who owned a bar, they were ever... We weren't allowed a a state where we worked. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like that's kind of a... I mean, I could see why they would want to do that, but I also think that's a disservice to the audience. Yeah, honestly, I... It's definitely a disservice to... The people on the show, but I think it kind of is to an audience yeah. too, because at least when I'm watching TV, I'm Googling and there's a world of up. Google now. I mean, you can access that information yeah. so easily. Uh, personally, I didn't feel it was a disservice. I don't know. I'm sure there's reasons why they aren't allowed to do that legally. Um, but uh, people are, people have been engaging with each of us respectively, and it's yeah. been pretty awesome. So that would how how much did it uh, benefit you and your business being on the show? Yeah. You know, I would say as far as what I'm doing, I'm doing all of the same things. Um, It certainly helps to have a platform where you can, you know, showcase what you do. And um, it's really cool to be able to continue to do the things that align with me uh, with a wider platform. There's a bit of pressure that I put on myself now to ensure that I'm always reverting back to those missions and um, values that I've set for myself, which I think is kind of awesome, you know? Um, But the power of no, I've said no a lot and um, I've had to implement boundaries in a way that I don't know that I've done before. And it's, it's a, it's a very quick and drastic change. Um, Probably one of the hardest and best things that's ever happened to me. Um, and it's an exciting time for all of us, for every single person that was on that show. I think I'm really uh, excited to see what everyone does. The, have there been any opportunities that were opened up that you were directly as a result of being on the show? There's or? certainly inquiries for like events. and um, But I mean, I, I bartended the Emmys and that was before the show came yeah, out. I was going to say the, yeah. my next follow was going to be, but, but you, it's not like you... Were unknown exactly. in, in that world beforehand. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, that Emmy's opportunity was unrelated to the show, and um, it's really kind of cool to be able to say that. And um, I think a lot of the people on the show also had many accolades before being awarded that platform. Yeah. And again, it's just really amazing to kind of see what everyone not even just on the show, but everyone um, and the excitement in the industry that has really come from this opportunity for us. How was bartending at the Emmys? It was awesome. Was it? Oh, it, my gosh. It seemed like it, it. it's one of those things that sounds like it could swing yeah. either way. Like yeah. there could be a group of people that would just be horrible <laughs> to, to, yeah. to bartend for, or it could be just an absolutely I mean, amazing. You never want to meet your hero and yeah. it not be ideal, yeah. right? Um, it was great. I got to work with Lo- Liquid Productions, which is an event production team, and they're amazing. They're so pleasant, so professional, so organized, and they made it really easy. Um, I had a blast working with them, and I hope that I get to come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> hint, 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 hint. <laughs> um, so. Oh, I lost what I was going to say. So we talked about cocktails with com- com- and comedy. Um, 
Do you want to talk about Focus on Health yeah, a little bit? Absolutely. So uh, Focus on Health is a company that started at peak of COVID. And um, Alex Trump, my business partner, um, came up with this idea for the most imaginative bartender competition in 2019. The whole premise of that competition is to create um, a essentially a business plan for what your passion is outside of bartending. And, you know, she spent some time thinking about it and um, came to the conclusion her passion is advocating for people taking better care of themselves. And so she came up with this business plan, pitched this um, idea for Focus on Health, and she won the prize for the business development idea, which is amazing. So during that time, I was kind of going through my own little journey. I, I believe I had just gotten laid off of work because of COVID. I mean, people were getting laid off yeah. all around the country and the world. Um, and I reached out and said, hey, what are you going to do with this thing? I have a very similar idea and I wanted to kind of touch base and feel it out because if there's an opportunity to work with you, I'd love to do that. And she's like, yeah, let's do it because I got to go work service tomorrow and I'm not even like sure what I'm going to do with it. Um, so we activated virtually uh, for the first couple of years. And yeah, we create essentially programming and partnerships and collaborations um, all around health and wellness. We collaborate with health and wellness professionals to help us curate this programming we are not health and wellness professionals, which is really important to say. We're bartenders who understand our sector very yeah. well. But um, that collaboration is so important because we can really guide them when curating these, um, you know, these programs. And so uh, in current day, we do Activate in Person, which is awesome. It's so cool. And um, the people that we've been able to work with has been plentiful and amazing. And it's really uh we do what we can when we can. Um, we also have full-time jobs outside of that, but it's been really amazing to kind of see how it's helped people along the way. Does it, is it focusing on like the health of the beverage professionals or just in general, anyone? Yeah. Or is it yeah so it's definitely more uh, food and beverage centric. Okay. Uh, I think the verbiage in the beginning was for beverage professionals, but it's really for anyone in food and beverage. Yeah. Um, and so, there are factors of it that are relevant to anyone who is a service worker or um, guest, you know, facing. And I think that's probably one of the most amazing things about it. But we do curate programming very specific to what food and beverage employees deal with on a day to day. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is your uh, favorite cocktail? It's a hard question to answer. It depends on my mood. But typically I go for an old fashioned Um you know, defined as the cocktail, uh, <laughs> spirits, bitter, sugar, water. Uh, it's delicious. I usually make mine with rum and then throw simple syrup, Angostura bitters, co cacao bitters, and then uh, orange peel. What is your favorite spirit to work with? It's a great question. I love sherry. Uh, it's fortified wine that comes from the southernmost part of Spain, Jerez. Um, and so versatile. You have your, you know, um, Fino and Manzanilla, which are drier styles. I have uh, like... Um, salinity and then very naturally, uh, Manzanilla specifically being from the coast has that influence and, uh, you have your styles that are a little bit sweeter, like PX. So you can make anything from a daiquiri to an old fashioned to, you know, um, a Manhattan with these, uh, beautiful spirits. What, um, what are your favorite flavor profiles to work into? Yeah, I love incorporating savory uh, flavor profiles and ingredients into cocktails you wouldn't typically get them in. 
it just creates a, a, an additional layer of complexity that is kind of unexpected, but so amazing. Um, for, an, an example would be on the show, um, episode two, I, I make this rice milk. And uh, basically, you know, you when you cook rice and you put water in it, um, you get this starchy kind of water that forms. So I took that water and infused it with like bay leaf and some baking spices, but some savory spices. You had like cardamom and allspice and cinnamon and orange peels. And it was cool because it just, when you took a sip of that cocktail, it just was like, oh man, that is, it, <laughs> that's different, you know? Yeah. I only recently started doing any kind of uh, making of cocktails prior to maybe like a year ago. The most advanced I would get would add ice to some whiskey. There you go. <laughs> and that, that's an ingredient. That is, I mean, it's basically any anything I had. It was just that on the rocks. <laughs> and I'm not mad at that. It was, it's only in the past year where I've decided to start getting into actually trying to make cocktails yeah, myself. And it's easy. Take that whiskey, add, the, add your ice, a little bit, a little bit of simple syrup and some bitters, and you have an old fashioned. Yeah, that's a, that. That's what I'm gonna play. I took off all next week. There you so go. I'm gonna I love it. Or just watch, you know, all ten episodes of Drink Masters and try to make yeah. every drink you see. Yeah, yeah I don't. <laughs> I don't think I have that ability or the budget to uh, purchase <laughs> <laughs> purchase all of the ingredients and uh, tools that, that were used. Um, how important do you think glassware is to, yeah, to I th a cocktail? I think glassware is essential. I mean, we drink with our eyes, so certainly want to consider the um, the appearance of the cocktail, but it also has to be practical, right? Like, um, if you're going to put a daiquiri in, in a rocks glass, um, make sure you have a reason why, right? Um, ice plays a huge factor in uh, as an ingredient as well. If you have filtered ice, if you have unfiltered ice, if it's flavored, if it's not, how it integrates into the drink and how much you're diluting a cocktail or you're over diluting it or under diluting it. Um, and so, yeah, everything kind of everything matters. It's yeah. it's it's quite interesting when you're first learning, understanding the reasons why you're selecting this glass versus that glass or ice of that, you know, that's this type or that type is uh, it's fun. Um, because of I, when you deviate, you know, I buy my beer at district East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard to find beers. And I love the option of making my own mix and match custom six pack district East is on Northeast street in Frederick in the same shopping center as showroom restaurant and Rockwell brewery. Most weeks they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www districteastbeer.com. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes, Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. I can't remember where I was, but they served um, a margarita in a martini glass. Mm -hmm. and it pissed me off. Ah. Was it good? <laughs> it was okay. Okay. Uh, so that was part of it too. It was yeah. Like, but margaritas is one of the things I've focused on and I've perfected oh. making a margarita. How do you so make it? I, it simple yeah and it, i just do agave yeah lime and i love espolone okay. 
tequila. Yeah. And a, and um, Contre. Did I pronounce Contre, that? Contre, yeah. It, the orange liqueur. Yeah. So just that. Yeah, and there you go. I just, so I've loved that exact flavor and sure. the, the proportions I use. So it's, unless it's like a fancy margarita out somewhere, like I typically am disappointed by it. That's but fair. Then it being served in a martini glass, I feel like it. You just touch the glass and you spill half of it. That's fair. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> they certainly like one of the things I, I definitely advocate for is having a reason for everything. Um, and then we have to start with this foundation of understanding classics before we can make our own cocktails. Right. Um, if, we make, if we make classics and they don't taste great, I you can't really expect anything else you make to yeah. taste <laughs> great. Right. So. Um, yeah, always start with the classics and then deviate from that. And I always suggest like swapping out one ingredient at a time. So you're making that, um, margarita, for instance, switch out your base spirit and then try using a different citrus and then try using a different orange liqueur, different agave syrup or different syrup in general, one at a time to see, you know, what you like and dislike about the change. Like, brand of tequila or like yeah, just using a, something other a than different tequila? brand of tequila okay. or then maybe try using mezcal you know so uh, i think i don't like this oh well you know maybe i should Not. make you a mezcal <laughs> cocktail that you like it could be possible i'm i'm very against a uh, smoke or heat yeah. in a beverage well you know what smoke doesn't always translate with mezcals okay into what goes in the bottle it is certainly a factor that is um, incorporated in the process of making uh, mezcal. Um, I also have a really bad habit of trying something once and deciding I fair. absolutely don't like that's it. That's okay. But and then, so I probably had a mezcal that was like on the smokier side. Sure. I'm like, all right, I hate mezcal. Yeah, and it's important <laughs> to note that every brand that you try is made drastically differently that's where yeah. there's options right so different types of agave different processes of fermenting and distilling and the you know the smoking of the pinas and it's so different so yeah. different i've um i've worked with mcclintock and made a couple different spirits with them and i i've just been amazed and think it's crazy the things that can be done that's really cool. with a still yeah that's amazing <laughs> The, and especially like the the flavors that come through um, the distillation process mm -hmm. from what you're distilling, because before uh, this podcast where like I really had no knowledge of spirits at all, I always assumed that everything that came out of a still was like vodka, and it was the barrel that That's did fair. everything. Yeah, and you know what? And t as a bartender, when I was learning how did what distillation is you know you you take exams and tests and they show you pictures and you're like i have no idea what the heck you are talking yeah. about take me to a distillery and until you see it you don't yeah. really get it and that's not specific to you i had no idea what was going on for years yeah and then they started getting into their science stuff and <laughs> my eyes glazed yeah, they start talking about proprietary yeah. yeast and <laughs> Uh, you know, how long it sits in the tank and ferments and all that. At least all that stuff I, I understood yeah. um, just from my background and knowledge in beer. Good. I mean, basically For sure. distilling half of it is brewing. Yep. And they always say, like, first we make really bad beer. Exactly. And then we turn it into yeah, like delicious spirits. Yeah. That's basically how it goes. But like with the, all the science that they talked about, like the 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 uh different alcohol conversions and stuff at temperature and it's a lot like, yeah it's 
because I've taken a couple classes on distilling just to try to learn more of it. That's and awesome. I just learned that I would not make a good distiller <laughs> on most likely. I don't think I would either. <laughs> I'll stick to bartending. Yeah, I will. I'll just stick to letting them make it for me, and then I'll I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, is there, I feel like there was something else that you are in my canned cocktail company. Yes. That's what it was that I I didn't put on my notes. So do you want to talk about that? For sure. So I am, uh, the newest shareholder of a canned cocktail company called Sippany, uh, born in New York city. It's a B Corp certified organization, which means that we, uh, donate a portion of our revenue every year to um, nonprofit companies that focus on giving back to the environment. Um, it is a canned cocktail that has a lot of intention and um, thought that goes into how it's created, um, the realest ingredients. So we're using um, uh, whiskey, wildflower honey, lemon juice, and soda water. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, we we work a lot with giving back to bees and my whole reason for wanting to be a part of this company was really placing emphasis on the power of being informed and the power of a purchase as a consumer. Um, You know, would you rather purchase a product that actually tastes good and gives back to some amazing causes or, you know, or not? And I think um, think a lot of consumers now would, would. I think yeah. so too. And I think it's a matter of just having more conversations about it. And there are a lot of amazing products out there that have very um, similar missions outside of the ready to drink sector. Um, I think RTDs get a bad rep. And so I really want it to be a part of um, an organization that's r- just setting themselves apart. From uh, a bad rep from what standpoint? So because I, I live mainly in the beer world For and sure. then occasionally do stuff in spirits with distilleries. And For things. sure. Um, so from my perspective, it's always just look like talked about as a threat. For sure. That it's such a growing industry and trend now that it, it's a threat to craft beer. So what what is the bad yeah. rap that they get? So I think with if we're talking ready to drink cocktails, um, People often, there are common misconceptions. It's like, I'd rather get a cocktail that's made by a bartender than purchase a cocktail that's already made in a can. If it's a cocktail that's in a can, it can't be quality ingredients or, you know, things like that. And the truth of the matter is you can purchase where did you drink the same way you can purchase beer or, or, you know, canned wine that is delicious and well-made. So, um, so like cocktail purists. We'll look at it as that they're inferior, kind of. I mean, I, before I really delved into that um, category, I really was a non-believer as well. And there are brands um, who have become so prevalent in that sector, it made it really hard to believe that there were other brands that were doing really amazing work. So I think it just took me kind of doing research and, and being around people who worked in that sector like Amanda Victoria and you know Joey uh, Mintz, and um, they are they are really leading the way for what's to come and the conversations around ready to drink cocktails because it's an exploding it category. So oversaturated, there are a lot of options out there, and we're really trying to stand apart in a way that's intentional and very meaningful. And um, I'm really excited for that category. I think that there are going to be some pretty magical things that start to happen. 
Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was low and no alcohol yes, uh, that's my, drinks. That's my baby. I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for uh, no and low ABV. And um, what that means is that uh, a, a beverage that contains no alcohol or very low percentage of alcohol by volume. And the reason I am such a huge advocate for this is, is many things. I think moderation is key when really... Um, leaning back into the ways we can enjoy beverages, right? There, We take a lot of time to curate and craft them for you to enjoy, and um, there's a lot of meaning that goes into it. There yeah. are products, spirits we want to highlight and um, you know, incorporate other ingredients that really do them justice. And so uh, Focus on Health actually has a program called NOLO Pop-Up, and uh, we create environments and spaces and have parties essentially that focus on socialization and networking and the flavors that go into beverages, even non-alcoholic ones. And the education behind that uh, that we offer to bartenders is so immense because there are a lot of products that many um, don't know how to use yet. Um, when there is no alcohol in a beverage for context, there are things you have to manipulate and compensate for texture, um, that pungency or that like kind of that sharpness you get yeah. from alcohol and you can the, do that. In the a burn, of, exactly. the, the, all the, that, that whole rush of exactly. sensation you exactly. get. Exactly. It's a sensory experience and it's a, it's also, it's also lived one and that everyone who has drank knows exactly what to expect when they have a drink. So, um, yeah, so we incorporate education as well that we provide to bartenders, um, when they're coming to these events. Yeah, I think I feel like one of the biggest barriers for that sector is cost. It, like, yeah, the, it can be expensive. Yeah, because um, it, it's it's definitely not cheaper than. It, but alcohol. nor should it be though. Yeah, and it, the reason is because if we're taking just as much care and thought yeah. into creating a non-alcoholic beverage that you want to enjoy, we have to change our perception of what you're getting out of it. Are you trying to get? a buzz or are you trying to enjoy a cocktail that yeah. was created and crafted for you to appreciate right so it depends and also again for whatever reason individuals aren't drinking we really just want to make sure there are options and spaces yeah. that the na beverages aren't going on the back of the menu with the kids drinks yeah. that they're not an afterthought that they're not going in a plastic cup versus these beautiful decadent glass vessels that everyone else around you is getting right yeah that it's like one of the it just needs to be a perception shift really because for so. the longest time like a mocktail was exactly. for a kid like, exactly yeah and you know it's it's what I, the way i like to describe it it's the difference between me making a lemonade which is delicious and making a cocktail that takes the same thought and care as to all the other beverages that have alcohol on my menu yeah um is there anything else that I've missed? I don't think so. I have the, I have a couple of projects coming out, but you know, people can just stay tuned via my website and Instagram for updates about that. That was the next question. How do people stay yeah. up to date with what you're doing? For what? sure. So you can follow me at uh, lpdrinks.org, which is my website, or my Instagram, lpdrinksdc. Um, I have a couple of trips coming up if you want to come abroad to learn about some different spirits. That seems to be a... a an awesome new popular trend yeah. too. Like I have two trips coming like up. I'm excited. Travel and uh, experiences that are based around cocktails uh, and yeah. beverages. Yeah, I've seen there's there's definitely a bunch of ones 
in the beer world for sure. and i'm seeing more and more it's cool. in the spirits and cocktail yeah. world too so i have one trip that uh is going to japan in september of 2023 and then another that i'm in the survey phase four that has the option of going to sweden oaxaca mexico um bourbon trail kentucky bourbon trail or um I'm forgetting the other the other space, but anyway, abroad or in Kentucky, yeah. and um, I have a dinner series coming out. So yeah, lots of cool stuff. Definitely check it out. It's gonna be fun. Do you have some time to answer some stupid questions? Yeah, for sure. Who would win in a battle, a ninja or a pirate? A ninja or a pirate? Well, it depends. Does a pirate have its sword? And a pirate has every weapon available to well, it. Well, then the pirate That is one. the correct answer. Thank you. <laughs> Most people answer that question wrong and say ninja, and they're 100% wrong. I mean, wrong. I think the pirate would it's, win. <laughs> yeah, 100% the pirate would win. Do you wash apples before eating them? Do I wash apples before eating yeah. them? Absolutely. Most people don't. I, I would ridicule those people but i'm also <laughs> I watch anything i get I've, from the grocery store that many many people's hands were on before it goes into my mouth i i've definitely been guilty of just like rubbing a towel or uh, rubbing it on my shirt and making it dirtier context y'all uh, water does not clean anything you need to use soap <laughs> best fast food french fries defend your answer oh my gosh okay so it depends on my mood if i want a thin fry it's obviously mcdonald's yeah. If I want a thicker, crispier fry, it's going to be Wendy's. Those are the two most popular answers. I'm on the Popeye's train now, though. The I Cajun, haven't really. Is it okay? They're the Cajun. But we're fries. talking. Are we talking the seasoning? Are we talking the fry? Because I think that's a different question. That is that is a very valid point, and I've never given because you can put that seasoning on either Wendy's or McDonald's fries, and they would automatically be better. You're right. Because huh. that the Popeye's fry isn't actually that good. I'm gonna have to pay closer attention the next time I get them. If 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 what I love is just the flavoring, or if it's uh -huh. the, the way they make their fries. Oh man, McDonald's fries with that. Uh huh. Flavoring, it would, would be, be so, and with a little sweet and sour sauce, yeah. that'd be delicious. You got it. You need <laughs> to open a restaurant. <laughs> what is something you always have in your refrigerator? It's funny. Somebody asked me this the other day. Um. What do I always, always have hot sauce of some sort? Right yeah. now I have like a... Because you use it a lot or uh -huh. because you buy it and it just lingers in there? No, we have a huge collection that we actually go through, which is quite funny. Um, I have like a passion fruit hot sauce in my fridge that's from oh, Puerto Rico. It is so good. Interesting. I um, So I, I've told family and friends like I like hot sauce. So, so many gifts are either beer related or hot sauce that's related amazing. for me. Like, so I just have tons of hot that's sauce awesome. that's been given to me as a gift. And the sad thing is like, I don't really use it that often. That's fair. <laughs> we put it on everything, pizza, fries, like, you know. And that's what I need to just start putting it on everything. Well, sometimes you just, just forget it's in your fridge. That, I mean, that's mainly what happens <laughs> to me. Uh, flats or drumsticks? Oh, I thought you were talking about shoes for a second. I was like, <laughs> what? Uh, Mm. Mm. drumsticks if they're fried flats if they are just like baked that is a good distinction i can i can i think i can agree with that too yeah. if they're I'm, like breaded and fried i want a drumstick yeah i'm because i mostly always just get like baked ones mm -hmm. that haven't 
that's a good answer. A that, that's going to be the, that's going to be the correct answer from now on. Because <laughs> these may sound like opinion questions, but, but they there's a right and wrong answer. Yes. <laughs> Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Hell no. Correct answer. It belongs in your hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Maniacs put pineapple on pizza. My husband actually grew up in Hawaii, and he will say that that is wrong. Do I'm, not do that. And I feel like he can be an authority on that. Then. So <laughs> I, that is 100% Keep that then. secret to yourself, y'all. <laughs> Go eat that pizza in a closet. Don't <laughs> let people know that. Is Nickelback a good band? Oh, yeah. Is it acceptable to use a gift card on a first date? Yeah, who cares? You pay him. None of their, they don't need to know how you're paying. You could be in the back counting pennies. I don't care. <laughs> they don't as need long, to know. As long as it's not coming out of your pocket. Yeah. Who cares? That's, that's, that's a, not your business, okay? <laughs> that's a good perspective on that one. <laughs> um, name a famous person you would love to meet. Ooh. So I've recently met some famous people that I've always wanted to meet. Who and they're quite wonderful. I met Kelly Rowland. She's the sweetest human in the world. Coleman Domingo, who is amazing. Queen Irby, who is like the sweetest human and so talented. Uh, oh, Michelle Obama. I want to meet her so bad. My my wife and my daughter also would yeah. be. I met a, made a cocktail for her once. She came into the oh. Dabney. Yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I made a cocktail for her once. Was that when uh, her? I think when they were in office. Yeah, 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 and they 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 were really good at frequenting bars in the DC area. Oh, cool. Yeah, that had to be just a nightmare for the Secret Service. It was so weird because <laughs> Secret Service came in and the managers were like very quiet about what was happening, and I was like, "What? Who? Who are these people?" Yeah. And then you just see somebody walk in really quickly, and I was like. I think that was, and I was behind the bar. I was like, I was like, that was Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad all those people were awesome because I always hate to hear the stories of yeah. like someone who met, like someone that like, they've dreamed of you or know, that they put on a pedestal and then they, like, it was just an awful I'll experience. say something. We need, first of all, we need to stop putting people on pedestals. Well, the, yeah, that would be a. And secondly, I, what I learned because I think now I'm kind of experiencing it is, we never know what people are going through. And that doesn't excuse behavior that is unacceptable or outright. I'm talking, I'm not talking about outlandish behavior. Yeah. If someone's being turn offish or they're just, they yeah. might be tired or overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. So also, or they just want to be doing what they're doing yeah, and you're interrupting them. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's just, I have a very different perspective on it now, but again, I'm not talking about outlandish outright, yeah. like rude behavior that is never acceptable. Yeah. If people have a story of like that, they like, the person just wouldn't give them time. Well, like, okay, that's, yeah. ex that's normal. People, they may, they may probably, have something they had to do yeah, or exactly. like they just, I don't take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, the only time I ever met a famous person I cared about, they were amazing. <laughs> uh, what would the title of your biography be? Do you really want to know? Yeah. All right. Y'all. She only won because she's black. <laughs> That's the the trending it's, comment on Reddit right now, apparently. Oh, <laughs> but what a great title for a book. Yeah, that people are aw I I hate people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that can be awful. Also I'm just running through my head the different contestants. It was a very diverse group of like was, I'm not mad about it. It happens. 
people were just I think so it's important to uh, acknowledge and understand that like again social media isn't real and you see all yeah. the good stuff but there's some you know we all have our moments where things are just not great I just I I definitely 100% feel like there there is a segment of people that if there's any success for someone who isn't a white man yeah. that the reason is because they aren't a white man I'll tell you and it's, it's been disgusting. an it's been an interesting experience a learning experience. I want to have children in the future. And it just like, I think it's just mentally preparing me for ways in which I can better prepare them for society, society essentially. But, um, I don't let that bother me. I can't, that would eat at me all day. If I cared about how many followers I had, if I cared about how many people didn't like me, I wouldn't be a happy person. Oh, definitely. I think once you reach any level of success, you have to completely ignore because there's also like there's that there's the mindset of just the garbage people. Then there's the mindset like the people who just like will root for you until you win. And And then then they disappear and you never hear from them again. Or (laughs) then they turn on you because you're successful when they don't. That's sadly happened as well. You know, for me, it's like, I'm always going to champion and cheer for people who are good people first and foremost. um, And who are winning. Cause I want, again, I want, I don't want to look down at my friends, my peers. I want them up here with me, you know? So I'm going to champion and root for everyone. Yeah, people don't have to lose for you to win. Exactly. I'm not competing. The only competition I have is myself, truly. <laughs> what is the best Robin Williams movie? Oh, Miss Doubtfire. Or Flubber. Or, no. Uh, yeah, uh, Jumanji. Uh, the correct answer is One Hour Photo. All those other ones are good, too. <laughs> but I love One the Hour The correct photo. answer. <laughs> Would you rather hear good news or bad news first? Uh, ah, I'm a, mm, probably bad news first. That's that's a, that's the normal way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I, I don't want to get almost, excited and then be yeah. disappointed. I want to be disappointed and then be like, oh, well, that's good. Like, at least there is that. <laughs> the people who have answered bad news first, I've told them I don't trust them because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> if you were a member of the Spice Girls, what would your name be? LP Spice. That works out perfectly. What's your most prized possession? Uh, my most prized possession. Oh, I have all of the notebooks I've ever written a recipe down in from the beginning of my career. So I think those are my most prized That's possessions. That's cool. Yeah. Because I've also, I think I, I remember. It was maybe like uh, ask me anything you did on Instagram or something. Like yeah. one of your answers were like how important a recipe book is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have every recipe book I've ever written. I don't even leave my house with them. I'll take a picture of a recipe because I'm afraid I'm going to lose them. Yes, <laughs> the same way I lose all my pens. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just working in yeah. the food and beverage well, you know, industry. Pick things that, up sometimes by yeah. accident, and then it's like, well, trying to figure out where that went. That's yeah. that's a lost cause. Uh, let's do two more, uh, iced or hot coffee. Oh my gosh. Iced coffee. Even in like cold weather, you guys are savages for drinking hot coffee. That is the correct answer. <laughs> I drink that. Well, I've been trying to cut back on coffee, uh, but I drink iced espresso every morning. Uh, apparently hot drinking hot beverages is bad for you. Oh. Also, like it can cause I don't know, some kind A of lot or just like, in general. 
I think just in general. Oh, man. It was, it's one of those stupid Wait, fact. hot? But okay. But we're talking like what? We, we need to look into this. We need to find out what the ideal temperature yeah, for drinking to, a beverage that should be warm is supposed to be. I'll have to revisit that because I, I mean, I just heard they, they were talking about yeah. it on Elliot in the I'd morning. I'd be interested and in And it was some why. study. And so I just took it as like, okay, I'm right. Okay. Everything should have ice <laughs> in it. I love that. That's a great mentality to have. Uh, one more. Who would play you in a movie about your life? Um, maybe Kiki Palmer. Mm, yeah, I think Kiki Palmer. That'd be cool. That would work. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, one more time. It's uh, LP Drinks on Instagram and uh, .com, LPDrinks.com to f- keep up to date on all the many projects so many things y'all lp has going on so thank you for your time today and making the trek up to frederick oh it's great and uh thank you everyone for listening thanks for having me cheers the uncapped podcast is produced by graham cullen and me chris sands be sure to like us on facebook and if you've enjoyed these podcasts please leave us a review on google play or the itunes store A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.